Okay, last week I talked uh, to all of you about faith is and talked about what faith is in our lives and how important that it is. Isn't it amazing? Uh, I know many of us in here have been, been, been believers for many, many years, but we all still need a new prodding, a new reminder at times of what faith is and how it sh- should be operating in our lives. Today we're going to be talking about faith in. And I even mentioned this last week, but you can have faith in a lot of things. You can have faith in your spouse. You can have faith in your job. You can have faith in uh, your country. You can have a lot of faith in a lot of different things. And I uh, did a Google on uh, faith in, and I come up with uh, a lot of different things, but four that I wanted to just make mention of. There were several that said faith in family, and then faith in deed, And similar to that is faith in action. I think our deeds and our actions should be showing our faith. Amen? We should be living a life full of faith to where we have deeds, we have actions that follow our faith. And then, of course, the biggie, which I want us to really capitalize on this morning, is make sure that our faith is in God. You know, you can have faith in faith. You can say you believe in certain things, but it can't be just something out here you believe. It has to be faith in something. And I want our, I want our focus this morning to be faith in God. And I was thinking this as I was uh, pondering this this week of how often our faith gets rattled. Anybody had your faith rattled? I most certainly have. Anybody going through some stuff to where you might have a little faith? The Bible talks about little faith. You may be in a situation where you have no faith. Uh, the Bible talks about shipwrecked faith. The Bible talks about wavering faith. What state is your faith in? And I want to challenge you this morning. The, your faith should not be controlled and be flowing with all the waves of what takes place in the world. Our faith should be on a constant incline. It should be. From the moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your faith needs to be constantly going up. Will you have some hills and valleys? There may be some hills and valleys there, but for the most part, you're making your way up. And our faith should be getting stronger. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So keep yourself in a situation where you're constantly hearing the Word of God throughout the week. That's on Monday just as much as it is on Sunday. That's on Tuesday afternoon whenever things aren't going so well just as much then as it is on Sunday here whenever things are nice and comfortable. We need to be increasing our faith. But I realize that there's situations that come along that tend to rattle us, that tend to uh, challenge our faith. And sometimes we can have shipwrecked faith, we can have wavering faith. Let's have a faith that is always increasing regardless of what we're going through in life. Because the devil is defeated, amen? Amen. But we have to keep that in mind. The devil has already been defeated. Your battle has... You know, you are in a battle, but the war is already won. Hallelujah. Faith in God. Isaiah 6 and verse 3 says this, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full 
of His glory. In Revelations 4 and verse 8, it says this, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Do you see how often and how long that these hosts are going to be saying, Holy, holy, holy. It says, And they do not rest day or night. Continuously they're crying out, Holy, holy, holy. Of all the things to say about God, they are saying, Holy, holy, holy. The Hebrew word for holy is Q-A-D-O-S-H, kadosh. And it doesn't simply mean that God is righteous, that He never does wrong, that He is sinless, that He's reverent. It does mean all of those things, but it doesn't simply mean that. It means He's above. There is none other. He's the only one. He is separate. There is none to compare. In other words, whenever we search high and low, there is nothing in this world that you and I can even think or imagine that even compares to what God is. Because He's totally separate. He's totally above anything that we can even ask or think. Anything that we can imagine how to describe God, He's above that. He's separate from that. Because He is so good, He is so immeasurable that we can't even put words to it. Our human uh, minds are so finite and so limited that we can't even begin to grasp the fullness of God. And in fact, it will take all of eternity for us to be able to scratch the surface of who God really is. Hallelujah. In Acts 4 and verse 12, it says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's the only one. Philippians 2.9 Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. In Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now this is so important for us to remember because whenever you're in between a rock and a hard place, we have a tendency to bring God down to our problem. God is above every problem. And we begin to enlarge the problem and then God becomes smaller. And what we need to do is to magnify God instead of magnifying the problem. God can control anything. He can, he can speak to anything and cause it to be changed. He can do anything He cares to do. We have to have faith in God regardless of what we are experiencing. So don't magnify your problem. Magnify God. That's one thing that happens during praise and worship. We're magnifying the Lord. We're lifting Him up. We're making Him bigger. And that's what needs to happen on the inside of you because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And there's life and there's death in the power of the tongue. So we need to get God bigger, make Him bigger in ourselves. He's not going to get any bigger, but we make Him bigger in us. And then He's going to do great and mighty things. Hallelujah. You know, when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, Moses said, well, who shall I say that has sent me? 
And God is so magnificent. He is so large. He's so immeasurable. He's so marvelous that He simply told Moses, tell him, I am has sent you. I mean, how do you, how does even God describe who God is? He said, I am. You know, there are so many layers of God. He's so deep. He's so marvelous that it's just going to take eternity for us to examine and to experience who He is. But you know, He's invited us to begin that journey of finding out who He is. He's inviting all of us in to experiencing God Himself. And He reveals Himself in layers. It's like an onion peeling off the layers. He reveals things to us little by little. And we should be constantly growing in those things. Isaiah says this in verse 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 10. It says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's the way we grow in the things of God. I'm so thankful since 1972, I'm growing a little each and every day. Hallelujah. Has it always been glorious? I wish I could say that. The overall journey has been glorious. There's, not, there's been a day here and there that wasn't so glorious, but the whole overall journey has been one of layer after layer of God revealing Himself to me and me getting to know Him better and loving Him more and seeing how great and marvelous that He is. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into, <coughs> excuse me, into His marvelous light. Hallelujah. Now much of the rest of our time this morning, I'm going to spend talking about Abram in Genesis chapter 12. And I have one verse in Genesis chapter 13. Abram, you know, most of us know that his name was changed to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. But how many of you know there's really a, should only be one exalted father? Abram's name was changed to Abraham, father of nations. And so I'll probably be using his name here interchangeably, but in Genesis chapter 12, he's still Abram. And in the first verse, it says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. There's five things I want to point out about this very first verse here. Let me read it once more. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Number one, it takes faith to obey the Word of God. Amen? It's going to take faith to believe the Word of God. Sometimes you pick up the Word and God will speak to you through it. Sometimes someone else may come to you and have a word for you. You have to judge it against this word. And that, is, that can be a word for you. It takes faith to operate on what God's saying. If you receive something out of God's Word, you feel like you need to correct in your life or you need to do something in your life. There's a different direction you need to go. It takes faith to grab hold of that because the first thing that comes to our mind is, well, did God really say that? The next thing is, well, you know, how do I go about fulfilling what God has shown me? 
Here, Abram is told, leave your country, leave your family, from your family, get out of your father's house. How many of you know you're supposed to leave your father and your mother? You're supposed to be joined to your wife. And then go to a land that I'll show you. He, was, he wasn't even told where he was going to go. He was just told to leave. There's going to be times whenever God, sometimes He's very sketchy. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes He's real sketchy on what He's letting us in on. If He would let us in on everything, we probably wouldn't be able to handle it. But first of all, it takes faith to obey the Word of God. Are you obeying what God is speaking to you? God is speaking to you. Are you hearing Him? Are you acting upon it? Secondly, it takes courage to obey the Word of God. It takes courage. You have to have something on the inside of you that says, hey, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand necessarily where I'm supposed to go. But I am rising up on the inside. I know God's sending me out and I'm going to do it because God is faithful. And I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to step out in faith and do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. In 2005, in December, I started pastoring here at Harmony. And it made no sense to me because I had always thought I was probably going to go to missions. Well, this has been a mission in sort. But I didn't think that I was going to retire from UPS and come and pastor a church. But I stepped out in faith. And I just, there was something on the inside of me that told me that it was the right thing to do. And I think I was even courageous to step out and do what God's called me to do. And praise God, it's been good. Hallelujah. At least it's been good for me. <laughs> it takes courage to obey the Word of God. It also takes love. Number three, it takes love to obey the Word of God. <clears throat> you see, if Abram had gotten to a place here where he loved his house, where he loved his automobiles, which would be his donkeys and his camels, <laughs> if he loved his life wherever he was at, if he got really comfortable and said, man, it's good here. I don't know why I'd ever want to leave this. If he got to loving those things more than he loved God, he would not be obedient to what God was calling him to. Sometimes that's what happens to us. We get hung up on the stuff we have and we can't go on to what God would have for us. I'm going to talk about that even more here in my next point. It may take separation. Number four, it may take separation to obey the Word of the Lord. The Israelites left Egypt, but Egypt never left them. There should have been a separation. Whenever they left Egypt, there needed to be a separation. They needed to tear themselves away from the old and begin to live in the new. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Are you living in the new or are you still hanging on to the old? There needs to be a separation. There was an 11-day journey for the Egyptians, but it took them 40 years. They never did separate. They all had to die in the wilderness. You know, Sarah demanded that Abraham make Hagar and Ishmael leave. There had to be a separation. Hagar was... Uh, Abraham took things into his own hands, and he said, well, I need to have a son. So he took on Hagar, which was a maidservant, 
and he had a son, Ishmael, there should have been, and there needed to be a separation. Sarah comes along, she said, they've got to go. And it's a good thing they did go. But you know, even today, there is problems with Ishmael and his clan because they are now today's Muslims. And it's major problems. But there has to be a separation. There needed to be a separation. This is what had to take place for Isaac to become who he was supposed to be. Sometimes your mistake will block your miracle. You see, his mistake was blocking the miracle that was to come through Isaac. Sometimes your problem will mess up your promise. Are you held up in your problems? Are you still dealing with your mistakes? Well, your mistakes are going to block your miracle and your problem is going to mess up your promise. We've all received promises, great and precious promises. And I want all of us to begin to move out into the promises of God and see Him do great and mighty things. Forget about your mistakes. Forget about your problems. God's bigger than all of it. He's forgiven you of your mistakes. Will you forgive yourself of your mistakes? And will you move on? Hallelujah. You know, we have to separate. We have to separate. You know, you can't be engaged and still see your old girlfriend. It just doesn't work. You know, those bad habits, some of those bad habits that you are still hanging on to could possibly be because you're still hanging on to your old friends. Sometimes there needs to be a separation. You might have to separate from your old friends so that you can get rid of some of those bad habits. How about the Word of God? Are you hiding the Word of God? Sometimes there has to be a separation from some of the things you're doing in the world. You can't keep reading the Word of God and expect to get it down on the inside of you when you're also reading Cosmopolitan and the Enquirer or Esquire or whatever that tabloid is. You can't read that garbage and expect the Word of God to be prevalent in your life. Get this to where it's prevalent. Hallelujah. Separate yourself from those other things. Number five, hold on to your stuff loosely. Kind of goes along with the last point. God wanted to take Abram to a different level. He wanted to take him to a different place. He wanted to take him to greater blessing. He wanted to uh, take him into things that he had never seen before. But he could have been stuck where he was at because he was hanging on to what he had. I'm thinking about things here in this, in this world, hanging on to the things of this world. You know, there's things that we can enjoy in life and, and we just really want to take that along with us. And there's some things in your life you, like to, you really like having and you just take them along with you. And then there's some other things. And man, I just kind of want to hang on to that. I, I really hate to give that up. I mean, after all, God, uh, you're the one that blessed me with it. And I'm really enjoying that. And so how can I carry that and this? And then I got this other thing here too that I really enjoy having. And so I'm hanging on to stuff whenever God's wanting to take me to another level. And so I just get to the place where Man, I just enjoy this stuff and I'm going to hang on to this regardless of God taking me to another level. I know that God's going to bless me, but I really like this stuff more than I want to venture out into what God is going to do. So then what happens whenever we have all of this stuff? Do you realize then luggage, instead of just being luggage, 
becomes baggage. How many of you have baggage in your life? Well, then what do we do when we have baggage? It doesn't just affect us. Gina, come up here. Would you grab that for me? Because I want to take that with me too. And so what happens is, now you just follow along here. You know, this is a little, a little cumbersome. But we're going someplace. So what happens is, you know, I've got my baggage. Well, I had my luggage, but now it's become my baggage. And my baggage now becomes not only my burden, but it becomes somebody else's burden. How many of you have some baggage that's not only affecting you, but it's affecting other people around you? You, you see, it's time to separate. It's time to say, hey, I want the blessings of God. I don't need all that stuff. God says He's given us all things to enjoy. I enjoy it, but I don't have to have it. Thank you. Sorry for the burden. <laughs> I'm glad I have this stuff. I'm glad God's blessed me. But i got to have the wisdom on how to handle the blessing of God so that I can receive more blessing. Amen? Because if we don't, we're going to get stuck. And you know, it might be, you might be stuck on some good stuff. How many of you have ever gotten stuck on, and this isn't just in the physical realm, this can be in the spiritual realm too. How many of you experienced some good spiritual stuff in the past? Yes. But all eight shouldn't be your last testimony. Your testimony needs to be something this week. What took place this week that has happened that's good? Because if I'm just going to continually be stuck on what happened back then, then I'm not going to experience what He wants to do today. It could be good stuff. It can be bad stuff. Some of you are stuck on bad stuff that happened in your past. You've had some bad things. There's some, some people in here may, may have, maybe you was raped as a child. Maybe you was abused physically as, as a child. Maybe you never experienced any of the kind of family that is normal. I had a couple of uh, nep- uh, nieces who lived a life of total, constant sexual abuse from their father. And until they were about 11, 12, the one was really 15 years old before she realized that that wasn't normal. You know, you could be hung up on some good stuff. You're stuck. Or you could be hung up on some really bad stuff. But let me tell you what, God doesn't want want us stuck on any of that. He didn't want us stuck on the good. He didn't want us stuck on the bad because He's got a higher place to take us. He's got more things for us to experience. He's got greater things for us to take part in. He has some more excellent things for you to not only receive, but for you also to impart. Hallelujah. He wants to take us to a higher level. That's a higher level of intimacy. It's a deeper experience. It's a greater blessing. And it won't happen if you're stuck. Praise the Lord. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. This is such a great verse here because this, this is not the Mosaic 
covenant. This is the Abrahamic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was this. I'll bless you going in. I'll bless you going out. I'll bless you in the country. I'll bless you in the city. I'll, I'll bless you going in and I'll bless you going out. That's the Mosaic covenant. Praise God for the blessing. But this takes us a step further. I'll make you a great, great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Do you understand? That is part of through grace, through Jesus Christ, we have this Abrahamic covenant of great, not only blessing, but of being a blessing. That's what all of us should be. We should be expecting blessing. And that's not just financial. That's not just material. That is spirit, soul, and body blessing. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that I have peace in my life. If you don't have peace, you're living a, a life that is way below what God wants you to live. Peace is such a wonderful blessing from the Lord. Has nothing to do with finances. But praise God to be able to live in peace. To live in joy. To live in goodness and kindness. All the fruit of the Spirit. What a wonderful way to live. That's a higher plane to live in. And that's where God wants us to be. And that's part of not only being blessed, but then we can turn around and be a blessing. Hallelujah. So the Mosaic covenant is not as good as our new Abrahamic covenant. And then it's even better because of the covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here again we see blessed and blessing. But you also see here a hedge of protection. A hedge of protection. I'm thankful to God for a hedge of protection. He, he watches over my stuff. Whenever the Israelites were in the wilderness, man, they, they had the same tennis shoes for 40 years. They didn't wear out. Their blue jeans, man, they, they just stayed brand new 40 years. God can put a hedge of protection around you. And He wants to do that. He is our hedge of protection. And you know, it's a great thing to have this hedge of protection because look what is later in verse 10. Let's take a look at that. Genesis 12 and verse 10. It says, now remember, God has just said, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. And He's told him numerous times how He's going to bless him. But then in verse 10, He launches out. He goes, He grabs all of His people up. He gets Lot, His nephew, and He gathers all of their people, probably hundreds of people, thousands and thousands of, of cattle and, and donkeys and camels and goats and sheep. Thousands of, I mean, a lot of stuff. And He goes out into the wilderness and they travel and they travel and they travel. And then in verse 10 it says, And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land. Now what are you, what, what's going on here? God just said He's going to bless him. He's going to bless him going in. He's going to bless him. He's going to bless him. going to make him the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessed man. And what happens? He turns around and there's a famine. Hey, I tell you what, I didn't know in 2005 in December when I started this that I was going to have some dry seasons. You probably didn't know when you took that job that you know God gave you that job. You didn't, you didn't know that there might be some employees that weren't going to like you. 
I mean, I wasn't expecting, I should have known, but I wasn't expecting whenever I preached the gospel that there would be some people who don't like it because I'm, not, I'm preaching what the Bible says about same-sex marriage. I mean, I should have expected that I should have known that whenever we're talking about uh, abortion, that there would be some people that are for it and not against it. You know, that can be a dry land. That can be a famine in your life if you allow it to be. So here Abram is. He's blessed, but he has a famine. Hey, realize folks, whenever you are blessed, that doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to be easy. It sure doesn't. I want to read to you quickly this out of Psalm 27. Psalm 27, I'm just going to read the first five verses. Now listen to this. Here's what happens when you get in a famine. The Lord is my high, is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me uh, to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Hallelujah. Do you see the faith that rises up even whenever there's famine? All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Hallelujah. That's the kind of attitude that we should have even in the face of famine. Regardless of what you're going through. Hallelujah. Now you know that Abram did some things in his own power. You know, he went out and he had Ishmael. He was going to try to help God out. Um, But here's what I want us to wrap up on right here. We're going to turn to Genesis 13 and the first four verses. Here's what you have to do. I know that you have done the same thing that I've done. You've made mistakes. You've you've done some things in your own power. You've tried to do some things uh, trying to figure it out yourself and figure out what God would have you to do and you try to help Him out and it doesn't always turn out so well. That's exactly what Abraham did. Or Abram did. He went to Egypt. He should never have gone to Egypt. But in verse 1 of chapter 13 it says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. That's what all of us need to do. Do you remember a time in your life when, man, you were walking with God, you were close with Him, things were going good, and you, you, can just, you can just almost feel it even now as you think back to when that time was. Whenever you, was, you had made an altar to God, you were worshiping Him, things were rich, things were good, it's time to get back to that again. That's where all of us need to go. We need to go back to that place of refreshing. Go back to that place where we were building altars and we were honoring God and we were worshiping Him. And regardless of what you're going through today, you can still have such a close oneness with the Spirit of God 
that your problems become secondary and your problems become solved because God becomes number one. That's the place we have to get back to. But it takes faith. Faith in God. Faith in a God who is above everything. A a God who is separate from everything. A God who is greater than everything. A God who is indescribable, who is immeasurable. Return to God and have faith in God. Hallelujah. Close your eyes if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in hearts and in lives this morning. If you're a person who you know you need to return to that place, I'm going to have a prayer over you this morning. Just simply raise your hand and say, yes, Ron, pray that prayer over me that I would return once again to that place. Yes. Yes. Father, I thank you for those that have raised their hands this morning. And I too, Father, I want to as well just return to the place where I am simply on fire for the things of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. Let faith arise and His enemies be scattered. Let faith arise in the only true and living God. He will do great and marvelous things. I thank you, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God is good, amen? Amen. All the time. Praise the Lord.